This is The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. The Political Insider is your inside source on politics from the White House to the State House and all points in between. If it's in the headlines, The Political Insider will have the story. Let's get started. Here's Bill Ballinger. Hello out there in Michigan radio land. I don't know why, but things seem to come in threes in Michigan politics and government. Not always, but a lot of the time. And I would say over the past week, there have been three uh, political developments, you could say, that are higher profile than most of the rest of the stuff that went on. And there was a lot of it going on. But uh, let's start with something that happened uh, just over a week ago, Friday of last week, just before we were on the air last weekend. Uh, Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson struck again. And again, what she did was controversial. Uh, She ruled in an announcement on Friday afternoon of last week that a group that ran election season ads on TV featuring Democratic governor candidate at that time, Gretchen Whitmer, this was last summer, violated the Michigan Campaign Finance Act and had agreed to pay a $37,500 settlement. Uh, This group was called Build a Better Michigan, and it's a soft money 527 nonprofit. That's a complicated legal organization, meaning it's not the Whitmer campaign itself, but it was uh, loosely identified or affiliated with the Whitmer campaign. They spent more than $2.4 million in 2018, ran a series of pro-Whitmer television ads that it described as a form of, quote, issue advocacy, unquote, traditionally exempt from the Michigan Campaign Finance Act. But some of those ads violated the law by identifying Whitmer as a, quote, candidate for governor, unquote. Benson said in a letter to attorneys for Build a Better Michigan, or BBM as its acronym is known, and she sent it to the Whitmer campaign, uh, she ruled, Benson ruled, that the group's spending could not be considered an, quote, independent expenditure, unquote, because of apparent coordination with Whitmer's campaign, which is not allowed under the law to do. Quote, and this is from the Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, quote, the fact that BBM obtained video and audio of the candidate speaking directly to the camera from a predetermined script is sufficient to indicate that coordination occurred, unquote. So that's what Jocelyn Benson did in Friday of last week, but that wasn't good enough for Michigan Freedom Fund Executive Director Tony Daunt. Uh, The Freedom Fund is uh, identified with the Republican Party, friendly to the Republican Party. Let's make that clear. But Tony Daunt was outraged. He said, quote, Jocelyn Benson managed in a single afternoon to pull every tooth from Michigan's campaign finance law to save Gretchen Whitmer and her chief strategist millions of dollars in fines and fees, unquote. And I'm going to continue to quote, 
Benson declared today, this is Friday a week ago, that Michigan campaign finance law does not matter while she is secretary of state and astounding violations of that law will essentially go unpunished. Her behavior is partisan and it is corrupt, unquote. And Daunt went on to point out that a similar violation in 2014, this is five years ago, committed by a Republican allied group in support of a Republican candidate resulted in penalties administered by the Secretary of State at that time, who was Ruth Johnson, a Republican, against Republican Senate candidate or candidates, there were actually two of them, that match the amount illegally spent. Such a penalty for Build a Better Michigan, BBM, this time, would have neared $2 million at least. You could even make a case if Whitmer herself or her campaign was involved, it could have been doubled, it could have been $4 million. So Tony Daunt said, quote, the slap on the wrist announced today by Benson instead represents just 2% of the total amount illegally spent by Whitmer's chief strategist and build a better Michigan in support of the Whitmer campaign. So that was Jocelyn Benson a week ago. Now, second big issue this week uh, would have been the state of the state by Governor Gretchen Whitmer on Tuesday evening of this week, televised statewide. And uh, it drew apparently a a lot of uh, social media comment about her blue dress, uh, which was fanned into a story by TV uh, station in Detroit, Fox TV, to, I think, in Detroit, which uh, also received blowback this time from Governor Whitmer herself, who didn't like uh, the fact that the TV station made a lot of this story. But let's cut to the chase here. Let's forget about Uh, the governor's blue dress and whether it was appropriate or not, let's uh, take her at her word, which we should, obviously, and concentrate on what she said. What did she say? Well, look, uh, we could go on for hours about it, but uh, she concentrated, as you might expect, on roads and infrastructure because that was the main theme of her campaign last year, fix the damn roads. Uh, She also talked a lot about education and skills. Uh, She claimed that Michigan's system of education is not preparing students to succeed and businesses are not investing in our state because of our skills, which do not meet their expectations. Had a lot to say about it, but no specifics. Uh, A lot of what she said was kind of carryover from what you heard during the campaign last year. And Gretchen Whitmer has said all along, to give her credit, uh, she will present everything when she delivers her budget next month in March. So we're going to have to wait a little bit longer to find out how she actually wants to address these problems. Now, one thing that was really interesting about her state of the state was that there was no televised opposition response from the Republicans. Now, I got to tell you, I have been watching State of the Union speeches in Washington by various presidents over the last half century and state of the state messages in Michigan over the last half century, I have never seen the opposition choose to not have a televised response immediately following 
the state of the union or the state of the state. Instead, the Republicans this year, because they control both the state house and the state Senate, opted not to have a televised response. They were available on radio for some comments right after the speech, but they waited until the next day to have a sit-down news conference in the state capitol, Lee Chatfield, the Speaker of the House, Mike Shirky, the Senate Majority Leader, with the assembled capitol news media, and they went over uh, all the things that they felt were important that they're going to be taking up in the legislature, uh, some of which uh, overlapped with what the governor had talked uh, about in her State of the State the night before, for instance. Uh, fixing Michigan's infrastructure, obviously, uh, making government work for everyone in Michigan, and that includes uh, continued uh, reform of Michigan's criminal justice system, fixing the state's broken mental health system, and improving uh, government accountability and predictability. That's all under the rubric of making government work for everyone in Michigan. And then they also talked about supporting education and career readiness, which the governor had also talked about. I'll, I'll just say that I think they were right not to have a state of the state immediately afterward. The third thing that happened was uh, the legislature's rejection, the Senate's rejection of an executive order by Governor Whitmer. The first time this has happened in 42 years, she was trying to re, uh, create a new state department and they slapped it down. Uh, big development. We'll talk about that at another point in a future show, but we got two guests coming up you're going to want to hear from. I'll be back in a minute. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We have returned with a special guest, and he is State Representative Brian Elder from the 96th District. And that Bay City, what, Essexville and about seven townships up in Bay County? That's exactly right. And you're an attorney, and this is your second term, right? Uh, That's correct. Uh, Practiced law for 20 years uh, and then decided to go down to Lansing. Wow, that's great. Um, And uh, what are your committees right now this year? Uh, This year, I am the ranking Democratic member on the House Agriculture Committee, and I also serve on the Judiciary Committee. Pretty heavy uh, duty work, I'd say. You got a lot uh, on your plate here coming up in the next two years. Uh, I think so. It's going to be an exciting session. It is. Um, But I want to talk to you about something that's a little sensitive, at least for me, to talk about. I don't have much experience in this area. Um, It is. Something that you are doing, I think, with State Representative Tanisha Yancey, Democrat from Harper Woods, you've introduced uh, House Bills 4165 to exempt feminine hygiene products from the sales and use tax in Michigan. Will you tell us uh, where did this idea come from and uh, everything associated with it? Okay. Uh, This is actually an idea that has been introduced in the legislature for the last uh, several cycles, uh, no pun intended. And when I was a brand-new member uh, or uh, soon-to-be member in December of 16, uh, I had 
kind of earmarked uh, this concept based upon uh, reading about it in the 98th legislature. Uh, I thought it was a good idea. Uh, my wife, uh, Susan, thought it was a wonderful idea. Uh, and so that it was actually the very first bill I ever introduced as a legislator. Uh, in the 99th legislature, which we just finished, we never got a hearing on the bill at all. And so the, uh, one of the first things I wanted to do was to make sure we introduced it once again. In the 99th legislature, uh, the companion bill was introduced by uh, Representative Winnie Brinks, who is now a state senator. And this time, uh, my partner is Representative Tanisha Yancey. Okay, well, let's uh, focus on what this really does. Currently in state law, tampons, sanitary napkins, and similar feminine hygiene products are subject to Michigan's 6% sales and use taxes. These bills that you're introducing with Representative Yancey would exempt these products from the taxes and hold the school aid fund harmless from any loss of revenue. Is that correct? That's exactly correct. So right now, if you and I go to the local uh, drugstore, and we purchase uh, Tylenol uh, or uh, cold medicine. There's no sales tax uh, applied to that purchase. Uh, but uh, if our wives or girlfriends uh, purchase tampons, they do have to pay a sales tax right now. Yeah, and you've been quoted as saying there's no reason someone should expect to pay extra for medical necessity simply because they're a woman. Uh, you've been quoted as saying this is an expense that has been unfairly forced upon half of our population. Michigan already exempts other necessities like food, medicine. You just pointed that out. Certain medical equipment and even newspapers from the sales tax. There's no reason we cannot provide this economic relief as well. Unquote. Is that correct? That's that's exactly correct. The uh, the fiscal impact. Uh, of these bills would be approximately $5 million. And, for example, last year uh, we exempted uh, investment coins to the tune of $3.9 million. Uh, and we uh, exempt aircraft parts uh, to the tune of about $6.7 million. So if you look at the budget supplemental uh, that we passed in December of 2018, uh, you we... Uh, spent an additional uh, $380 million in a single day. So uh, we can certainly find $5 million uh, to pay for this exemption. Yeah, now this apparently is not a brand new idea. I think there are 10 states uh, that exempt tampons and sanitary napkins from the sales tax now. Is that correct? Uh, that's, that's exactly correct. And you know, to, to be uh, fair to previous legislatures, we uh, adopted a sales tax for the first time back in 1933, and I really can't imagine, you know, my great-great-grandfather's generation uh, feeling comfortable talking about the topic generally. So I don't know that anyone made this decision on purpose, uh, but in the year 2019, I think uh, we're all sophisticated enough to realize that uh, uh, the women in our population are buying these products and we can exempt this uh, just as easily as we do other things. You know, do you think this is the reason maybe it's not taken seriously, at least so far in Michigan, when legislation has been introduced on this subject in the past, 
simply out of embarrassment. It's like the legislators, <laughs> most of whom are male, still are, even though there are a record number of females in the legislature now, uh, embarrassment by the males about this subject. They don't want to talk about it. I, I think that might be part of it. And one of the reasons that I have introduced uh, these bills uh, twice now is because it, it's really it's not a gimmick. It's not uh, an opportunity for messaging or publicity. And both genders ought to be able to talk about this uh, as easily as we do any other uh, uh, medical issue. And I've had lots of conversations uh, with friends on the other side of the aisle. Uh, I, my bills uh, were uh, co-sponsored by two Republican House members. And I think, uh, by and large, they agree with the basic concept. We just need to figure out exactly how we're going to pay for it and why it makes sense. And I'm actually very hopeful uh, that the bills will be uh, brought up. And I think uh, if they are brought up, I think they will pass by significant margins. Do you see any kind of partisan split on this? As you say, you got two Republican co-sponsors. By the way, who are they? Uh, Representatives uh, uh, Packett and Yarrick. Um, Jeff Yarrick represents uh, a district in Macomb County, and Representative Packett is a brand-new member. Well, uh, I think you point out that uh, over the course of their lifetime, <laughs> this is staggering when you think about it, uh, over the course of their lifetime, women use nearly 17,000 tampons and sanitary napkins. That's a heck of a lot of money, isn't it? It, it certainly is. And, and I'll say, uh, you know, selfishly, uh, in my household bill, these products are purchased out of a joint checking account. So I pay this tax just as much as my wife does. And uh, every male member uh, of the legislature, if they have a wife or a significant other, they might be in the same position. Yeah, I think the other states, by the way, that um, have exempted uh, feminine hygiene products from the sales tax are New York, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Illinois, Minnesota, Maryland, Florida, and Nevada. Uh, that that's they're, By and large, those are pretty high-population progressive states. They, they are, and I think uh, Michigan's ready to join that list. Okay, well, Brian Elder, uh, good luck with this legislation. Uh, if you could at least get a hearing on it or get it out of committee, my gosh, that would be a breakthrough in and of itself. Thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you, Bill. Have a great day. Same to you. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We are back with another special guest, and he is State Representative Tom Albert. He is a second-term representative, a Republican from Lowell, which is in Kent County, the 86th District. I think the 86th District includes the east side of Kent County, and I would say maybe kind of northwest Ionia County, including the cities of Belding and Lowell and a lot of townships. Is that correct? representative tom albert that is 100 percent correct bill well listen we're really uh happy to have you on the show let me just mention uh i think you were uh chairman in the last session of a committee called financial liability uh 
reform. And uh, you won the Michigan Information and Research Service Le- a Freshman Legislator of the Year Award in 2017 because of your very important work overhauling the state's teacher retirement system, which was something that Governor Rick Snyder was also very interested in. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yep. Well, now I know they keep changing the names of committees in the house. And, uh, so what are your committee assignments this year? What are you doing this year? Does that committee you chaired still exist? Well, I moved from the policy side over to the appropriation side. Uh, my, my passion in the legislature is still pension reform. Uh, I, you know, interestingly, interestingly enough, after I got out of business school at Michigan state, uh, I went and worked at the state pension fund as an investor. Uh, so I've been kind of in the investing world for about six years now. Um, and the work I did last year was really about trying to have a, a plan designed for our public school employees that, that makes sense and is, is, is solvent going forward. But the problem is we have about $40 billion worth of public school pension debt uh, that we need, of legacy debt, we need to figure out how we're going to pay off. And uh, so I figured moving over to the appropriation side was, uh, was the place to go to actually work on the legacy problems. Yeah, from what I gather, I mean, you were pleased that you got as much through the legislature trying to reform the system in the last session as you did, but you were a little disappointed you couldn't have gone farther. So you're going to push it uh, through appropriations. Is that correct? Yeah, and just to be clear, the, what I was disappointed in last time, uh, you know, I, I'm not looking to make any plan design changes for current or future employees. I, I feel like that's kind of settled. What I'm looking to do is, you know, how, how are we going to pay our debt? You know, I, we're, over the next eight years, our pension costs were designed in a way where we're going to be paying up to $5 billion in seven years for just pension debt. And if you look at uh, how much money we raised, we, this past year we raised about, Oh, $14 billion for school funding as a whole. Uh, so, you know, we're looking to have about maybe about 30, 35 cents on the dollar going to pay for, for teachers of yesterday uh, instead of educating our, our kids of today. Uh, it's, it's a looming crisis and, uh, you know, it's something I want to try and get ahead of. Well, I wish you good luck on that. But uh, today I really want to talk about a completely different subject. Uh, as I understand it, uh, both you and uh, State Senator Rick Outman, who is from Montcalm County, used to be a state representative, uh, you are both saying uh, that Michigan has got to do a lot better job of preventing youth from e-cigarette use. Uh, and you have got bills that you're introducing to ban the sale of e-cigarettes to minors uh, and I, I just like to ask you, uh, give us some history because I, I got to tell you, I think it was about three years ago and it may have been before you got in the legislature. Uh, they actually passed a bill to do this and governor Snyder vetoed it. Uh, so what's going on here and, uh, let, let's take this story forward. Give, give us some education. Well, I guess to start out with, you know, this, these vaping products, they're kind of in this, this weird twilight zone area. Uh, the, the tobacco regulations of the 20th century just aren't working for these, these new and innovative products, uh, you know, and they're, they're you know, potentially very harmful and addicting products that our kids are getting a hold of. And, uh, you know, when I talk to parents and school administrators, they're, they're basically shocked that there's no law prohibiting minors from, 
from possessing these products and using them. Uh, so we have to do better. And you're right, in January 2014, uh, now Senator Altman, who was a representative at the time, had a very similar bill to this that got through the House and through the Senate. Um, and it's worth noting that Governor Whitmer at the time did uh, vote yes on that bill. And uh, it got all the way to the governor's desk, and he vetoed it. And, you know, as to why it was vetoed, you know, there's, it's, this is a big topic. You know, this is tobacco is, is big business, and there was a lot of different competing in, interests that were trying to get stuff done. And, uh, you know, the governor ultimately agreed with the side that said that the bill didn't go far enough. And here we are five years later. And kids can still possess these products. So, you know, what, we're, what Senator Altman and I are trying to do is, you know, there's, there's, we're just trying to make sure kids can't use these products. We're trying to get them out of our schools. Yeah, well, in other words, the governor, in vetoing it, this is Governor Snyder, uh, basically kind of made the perfect the enemy of the good, didn't he? I mean, he was basically saying there's a national model on trying to get rid of e-cigarettes and it's something to do with the FDA ruling on what these products are. And he claimed that uh, the bill that he had in front of him to sign that he vetoed didn't go far enough. And if it wasn't going to do what this national model wanted uh, to have done by the various states, it wasn't good enough, even though it would have apparently cracked down on uh, consumption by minors of e-cigarettes. And so we're stuck for three more years with uh, youth being able to get these cigarettes, which could have been banned three years ago. Yeah, you know, it's probably a fair assessment. I, I try to stray away from, you know, putting words in the governor's mouth. I'm sure he, would, he probably has a defense for why he vetoed it. Um, you, know, I, you know, last term I introduced a bill to do what he wanted. I, I introduced a bill to... Um, basically defined vaping products specifically as tobacco products, and they would have been treated the same through taxation and, and uh, other restrictive policies, you know, for youth possessing and stuff. But uh, it didn't go anywhere. It was just too big of a bill to get through, and uh, there was just too, too many stakeholders that were opposed. Um, you know, that's a discussion I'm willing to have in the future, and that's, that's what I've talked to some of these health organizations that wanted to find it as a tobacco product. I said, look, you know, let's not let perfect be the enemy be good here. Let's let's try and get done what we can and solve this crisis. The kids using these products, they, they, they don't seem to think that they're harmful. Let's at least send a message that, hey, you know, think twice before you use these. These, these it contains some very harmful products in here. Yeah, let, let's make sure our listeners know what we're talking about here. Electronic cigarettes are battery-operated devices that deliver nicotine and flavoring without burning tobacco. A heating device vaporizes liquid inside a cartridge, and that's what's called vaping, a term that you've used, Representative. Uh, Many of these devices are colorful, and they're made to look harmless, including a version that looks just like a computer USB flash drive, making them difficult to detect in schools. Uh, And yet, the U.S. Surgeon General recently declared youth e-cigarette usage as an epidemic. Uh, And a 2018 Centers for Disease Control survey found that roughly one in five high school students reported using such products, which was up 78% from just the year before. So 
uh, at this point, is, is there anything more that needs to be done, do you think, in your legislation, if you have hearings on it, to kind of get at uh, what is the full panoply of electronic cigarettes out there? Are there other variations that are being invented and developed right before our various eyes that might be able to circumvent what you might be able to do? Well, you know, Bill, it, it's hard to regulate a growing industry, but, you know, we, we have to wrap our hands around what the problem is right now. So I think that the bill that we have uh, does a great deal to, uh, to kind of contain this problem. Okay, let, let's break it off there temporarily. We're going to take a brief break, and we're going to come back with Representative Tom Albert of the 86th House District about his e-cigarette ban legislation. This is MTN, and you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill. We are back with Representative Tom Albert, a Republican from Lowell in Kent County, the 86th House District. He represents, this is his second term. Uh, He has been very active in uh, reforming uh, teacher retirement uh, pensions. And he wants to do even more on that. He's now on the Appropriations Committee. Uh, but we're talking today about e-cigarettes. And uh, I'd like to just start out asking you in this segment, uh, the Federal Food and Drug Administration, as I understand it, has rules banning the sale of e-cigarettes to those under 18. But there's nothing similar in state law doing so. Uh if you adopt a new state law to ban e-cigarettes, as I understand it, you and Senator Outman in the bills you're introducing are claiming that law enforcement and schools will have an easier time keeping addictive, unregulated chemicals off campuses. Uh, The plan that you are pushing also protects Michigan if federal regulations change. Is that correct? Yeah, that's fair, Bill. It's, it's worth uh, pointing out, though, that the FDA did rule that, uh, you know, they couldn't sell to minors, but it doesn't say anything about possession. Uh, so that's why having it in state law that minors wouldn't be able to possess it, uh, you know, that's what's going to help keep it out of school campuses. Yeah, but let me ask you one big question about vaping and e-cigarettes, and we haven't talked about this. I mean, there is a school of thought out there that says, you know, uh, vaping and e-cigarettes are not bad because they actually have helped uh, smokers kick the habit. Uh, they transition to vaping uh, from maybe being lifetime smokers, and they kind of wean themselves off uh, having any nicotine addiction eventually and give everything up. They give vaping up. They give cigarettes up. It's kind of like, you know, methadone maybe uh, has been used uh, to try and wean people away from other drug use. I mean, do you buy that or do you think this is nonsense? Uh, It's propaganda from the e-cigarette industry uh, that there's nothing good about e-cigarettes at all? Well, I can tell you the fourth grader in my district that was was vaping on the bus, I don't think that argument really holds up for that. 
You know, there was a study, a Harvard study that was released last year. They tested uh, 51 samples of, of different flavors. And, and just to keep in mind uh, at a scale here, there are thousands upon thousands of different flavors, uh, none of which have to report what their ingredients are. There are an unknown number of chemicals that are in these products, not just nicotine. There's all sorts of stuff. So this study that tested 51 flavors, they found that 39 of the 51 flavors, about 80 percent, uh, contained a chemical called diacetyl, um, and that causes what's known as popcorn lung. Uh, so there was a factory that made microwave popcorn, and the employees uh, in the factory uh, ended up having a lot of lung problems, and it was caused from the buttering flavor uh, that was in this uh, microwave popcorn, um, and the the chemical got into the air, and they're breathing it, and over time it, it caused significant damage to their lungs. So um, there can be very harmful products in these chem- in these uh, very harmful chemicals in these vaping products, and we just don't know. So I guess my warning to parents and to kids considering using this. You don't know what's in them. It's not just nicotine. Uh, this is a very unregulated market, and it's kind of the Wild West. So I would say buyer beware. Well, in other words, your legislation uh, is really aimed mainly at just keeping e-cigarettes out of the hands of children or at least uh, human beings who are you know, under 18. You're not necessarily trying to stop the sale of e-cigarettes to adults. Because a lot of adults claim, as I was just describing a minute ago, uh, that this is actually uh, a product that can wean them away from usage. But, you know, the school of thought, and maybe it's yours, is that, well, that's a decision that adults should be able to make, but we don't want to give young people a chance to get started on this. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, you know, if you think back to why that was vetoed in the beginning five years ago, and it's because... this is a big topic, and there's, there's a lot of different ways you can look at this. And, you know, what Senator Altman and I are doing is we're taking a narrow focus just on, on trying to protect our kids. Uh, so right now, what is the extent of usage right now in Michigan as far as you've been able to determine uh, of e-cigarettes? Well, you know, I don't know of any statistics on Michigan specifically, but I can tell you anecdotally, I'm talking to my school administrators that just year over year, uh, this problem has grown exponentially. Um, the kids are going and using it in the bathroom, and it's, it's not like regular cigarette smoke. You know, cigarette smoke you can smell from 50 feet away, but, you know, this stuff smells like mangoes and strawberries, and, you know, you, can, you know, if, if they do it, it, it's just it's hard to detect. So, um, you know, my school administrators are saying that it's, it's an epidemic in, in their own schools and it's hard for them to deal with and it's, it's taking up a lot of their time and resources so it's definitely growing yeah isn't there uh, a school of thought that says you know if, if e-cigarettes can be used by people to maybe wean themselves away from smoking uh traditional tobacco products like cigarettes and cigars and pipes it can also go the other way like you say if a fourth grader is on the bus vaping uh, there's statistics that show, you know, there's a high probability that eventually uh, that kid is going to end up being a smoker. Yeah, there's there's conflicting evidence out there. There's definitely evidence out there that adults that use it, uh, you know, try to wean themselves off. They end up just using both. They end up just using tobacco and vaping. But, you know, I, it's, 
I think some of those studies are kind of inconclusive, you know, so I don't want to throw bombs out there for things that there's not really evidence on. But, you know, I'll tell you this, Bill. You know, I started, unfortunately, I started using tobacco when I was a kid. Uh, you know, I grew up, I was a country boy from, you know, west of Belding. And, you know, then I served in the Marine Corps. I used tobacco there. And, uh, you know, actually, I think just yesterday is my 10, 10-year anniversary of not using any chewing tobacco. So, uh, and I can tell you, it's, it's not easy. It's something that I've lived with for 10 years, and it just doesn't go away. You know, there's not a day that hasn't gone by that I haven't wanted to use a tobacco product. So, you know, vaping is not going to get rid of that. It's not going to get rid of that feeling. Uh, it, it, there's a chemical addiction that happens in people's brains, and it's, it's something that, you know, it's harmful. You just got to stay away from it. Have you ever tried e-cigarettes yourself? No, no, I did. When I first started to quit, I, I did use nicotine or nicorette gum. Um, but, you know, it's just expensive, and I didn't really feel like it worked all that well. Uh, so, you know, I, I just kind of just stopped. Well, I think the e-cigarette uh, phenomenon has really exploded since you gave it up, maybe 10 years ago, tobacco, right? And so you didn't want to start smoking e-cigarettes. You <laughs> might become addicted again. Yeah, I would have been weaning myself back onto the wagon. I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, okay. Uh do you think you have a good chance to get a hearing on this bill? I mean, what, what's going on with that? Yeah, I think process wise, I'm pretty confident um, that we can get a hearing here and hopefully within the next month. And uh, you know, what I'd really like to do is by the end of the, the school year uh, to have this signed into law, that would be my goal. Well, do you think that uh, this is modeled more or less on the bill that governor Snyder vetoed uh, three years ago, or uh, is it more, you know, hard, uh, to, uh, you know, is it, is it harder on e-cigarettes, uh, than the legislation three years ago? What do you think? Is it about the same? And you're just hoping if it gets to governor Whitmer, that since she voted for it before three years ago, she'll vote for it again. Um, more or less, it's the same, a, a couple of, of differences. The, the bill that was vetoed specifically, uh, defined a tobacco product to not include these products. Uh, this bill is silent on the issue. That's, that's a, a fight for another day. Um, and then, you know, separate from that, there's a, a few loopholes since the industry's changed a little bit in, over the last five years. Uh, you know, there, there are some vaping products that actually don't contain any nicotine, so they would have been kind of in this no-man's land, so we kind of addressed that in this bill. So, But overall, more or less, it's, it's the same as, uh, as before, and I'm, I'm really hopeful that we can get it signed. Yeah, uh, let me just ask you very quickly, because we're just about out of time. What about auto insurance rate reform? Completely different subject and not something that you've necessarily been directly involved in. What are the chances of something happening on that in this session? You know, I'm very hopeful. Um, I think we can get something done. You know, auto insurance rates is something that is going to happen. And we can either get ahead of it and, and make some thoughtful reforms now and something that's sustainable. Or we can wait for the bubble to burst and, and be reactive. You know, to me personally, I think it's always better to be proactive and, and do the thoughtful approach. So, uh, you know, I, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful we can get something done now. Okay, Representative Tom Albert, uh, we are out of time. A lot going on in the legislature. We didn't even talk about the state of the state or the Republican reaction to it or all the other issues. But we covered a few things. And you got a lot on your plate in this session, and good luck to you. Thank you very much, Representative Tom Albert. Thank you, Bill.